Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. Um, I'm really excited about what we're going to get into this morning in God's Word. Um, But I just want to say beforehand, today, June 21st, for the first time in three months, we are having in-person church services. Um, now, obviously, if you're watching this, you're, you're at home watching our online service, which we're going to keep having for any time in the foreseeable future. And at the same time, we, we just want to celebrate, e- even those of us who are at home right now, to celebrate that we're in a position where we've been able to start regathering as the church for services in person. We get to worship together and experience God's word together and see one another, even if it's in these limited circumstances. Um, and for some of you who are watching at home, you, you may be at a point where you just, you don't feel comfortable coming in person yet. And that's totally okay. We, we respect that different church members are going to handle this differently. Um, and at the same time, it, it felt like this marked sort of a new phase for us as a church as we walk through this season. Um, we know that the pandemic is not over. We, we know that we're still in this odd season that we've all been experiencing And at the same time, we thought, you know, as we reopen our in-person services, it's a good time for us to take a pause from the King of the Kings series, the first Samuel series that we've been in, and take three weeks just to talk about some of the things that we think God wants us to really zero in on during this time where we've been experiencing the pandemic. Um, This is a time that for many of us, we've wanted it just to be over. But God has purposes for this time and God has things that he wants to do in our lives during this time. And I'm not going to presume to know every reason why God is doing what he's doing and every lesson that he wants us to learn. But during this and the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about three different things that seem to be at the heart of what we should make sure we don't miss out on as we think about this time. Uh, the, the three topics that we're gonna talk about are fear, pride, and love. And specifically, we're calling this series Finally Free, and in some ways celebrating that we're finally free to regather as the church, but also talking about the fact that there is a deeper freedom that relates to these issues. The idea that we are free from fear because of what Jesus has done for us. That we are free from the burden of pride because we know the God who holds all things in his hands. And that we're free to love one another because we have been loved by God. We're gonna walk through these in these next three weeks. Um, And and I wanna ask you to do something during these three weeks. For for us all as a church, um, there's two things that I wanna ask you to do. And the first is this, that each week after whatever topic we're covering, so for this week, we're going to talk about fear, that every day this next week, you take at least a little bit of time each day to pray to God that he will lead you into greater freedom from fear. And then the next week that you'd pray each day that God will lead you into greater freedom from pride. And the next week in greater freedom to love others. We want to focus this time on that. So that's number one. And the second thing that I want to ask you to do at some point this week is choose one day of the week to fast and to practice some sort of fasting where you don't eat food for the day or for a portion of the day. Like for example, for me, when I choose my day, I'm going to eat some breakfast and then I'm not going to eat again until dinner. And, and the reason for fasting is partly just to focus on something that we think that God wants to speak to us about, but also to say to God, you know what, God, I want you even more than I want food. 
And during that time of fasting, really ask God to open your heart to new ways that he wants to lead you in greater freedom from fear. As I've already mentioned, fear is going to be at the center of what we're talking about. Um, And fear has definitely been a theme during this season of time, during these three months. Um, You don't have to look far to realize that fear has been a huge part of our lives during this season. And fear in general, and then even more specifically, the fear of death. There's a lot of evidence that we fear death. The fact that we're wearing masks when we're going out and doing things that we would have thought of just normal activities is evidence that we fear death. Um, The fact that probably for many of us, we've seen our best friends face to face during this time and we haven't given them a hug, maybe haven't even shaken hands or patted each other on the shoulder because of our fear of death. The fact that some of us have barely left our homes or we haven't had certain people visit us because of our fear of death and the fact that we're anxious for the government and for the medical associations to feverishly work on a vaccine is evidence that we have a deep fear of death. And as far as fears go, you might be looking at that and saying, well, if it's okay to fear anything, it seems like death would be the right thing to fear. I mean, are we really gonna get upset with ourselves that we have a fear of death? If there's anything that is fair to fear, it's that. And all right, fair enough. It seems like an appropriate fear to have. And at the same time, when we end up having our lives run and directed by the fear of death, we end up in slavery. When we end up in a situation where our core goal in life is to avoid death, First of all, we end up in a situation where we end up missing out on lots of amazing things that we could be experiencing. And secondly, we end up needing to come to grips with the fact that we will ultimately lose that battle. If our goal in life, if my purpose in life is to avoid death, I will fail because at some point death is going to get me. On on the one hand, it seems appropriate to have a fear of death. But on the other hand, unless we are free from the fear of death, we can never live lives that are truly meaningful. We will always be held back from true meaning and true purpose because we're cowering in slavery to the fear of death. But we're going to walk through a passage, actually just two verses in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, two verses that give us a glimpse into how we can live differently because of what Jesus has done. I'm going to read the verses for us right now. If you have a Bible, you can look there in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This is God's word. And we're going to walk through these two verses today, but in a little bit of an unorthodox way. We're actually going to walk through them backwards. We're going to start at the glorious end, the really good news at the end of this passage, and then we're going to walk back to figure out how we got there. We're going to start 
with the end game. We're going to start with the result, which is what is said in verse 15. Verse 15 says, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And that verse tells us at least two things. Um, Number one is that apart from Jesus, we are all slaves to the fear of death. We are all under the bondage of our fear of death. Um, Just earlier this summer, I I read a book um, by George MacDonald called The, The Curate's Awakening. And it follows the spiritual journeys of several different characters in a small town. And one of the characters is named Helen and her younger brother dies. And she's very um, deeply grieved over the death of her brother. And then she ends up in a conversation towards the end of the book with her cousin, George, who's an ardent atheist and believes there's just, there's no God. So there's nothing after death. And she's not sure. She sort of leans towards that belief, but she's wrestling with whether or not she believes that God is real. And therefore, if there's anything after death, And I just want to read you something that she said that really struck me in this. She says, the memory of my brother is for me enough. Let me keep what freedom is possible to me. Let me rather live the life of a cold-blooded animal and die in the ice that gathers about me. But before I sit down to await such an end, I shall know whether I'm indeed compelled to believe as you do that there is no God, that death is my Lord and master, that he will take me as he has taken my brother, and yet I shall never see him more. And you can hear the internal struggle of what she's dealing with as she hears the atheistic arguments of her cousin and she feels compelled by them. And at the same time, she says, I need to wrestle with the fact that if there is no God, death is my Lord and master. Death is in charge of my life because death gets the final word on my destiny. And death is also my Lord and master because I need to live my whole life cowering in fear and trying to avoid death. The powerful reality that this brings up is that when we are in slavery to the fear of death, this makes death our master. And death is a cruel master. On the one hand, we could say it seems appropriate to fear death. And at the same time, we, we got to recognize if we are in slavery to the fear of death, we will live lives that we would never admire in another person. The fear of death leads you to run away instead of intervening when you see somebody else being wronged or abused. The fear of death leads a soldier to desert his fellow soldiers when they end up coming under fire. The fear of death leads a fireman to stand outside a burning building instead of running inside to try to save someone. The fear of death leads us as Christians to avoid gospel opportunities because they might take us into dangerous locations. If we are slaves to the fear of death, then death instead of God is our master and death is a cruel master. You know, I said in this verse that the first thing that we see is without Jesus, we are all slaves to the fear of death. But the second thing that we get to see is that there's something about us becoming free from that fear. There's something that Jesus did so that we could be free. There is a possibility of us living lives that are free 
from the fear of death. And just think how revolutionary that would be to live that way. And also think about this. If Jesus has provided a way for us to be free from the fear of death, there's no way that that doesn't have a domino effect on other fears in our lives. We have so much of the time we are driven by fears and we are limited by fears. Just take a moment right now. What are the fears that limit you in your life? Because if Jesus did something to set us free from the slavery of the fear of death, then that's got to have a domino effect on all those other fears. Do you have fear about pain and sickness? If Jesus can set you free from the fear of death, he can set you free from that fear. Do you have fear of embarrassment and rejection from other people? Do you have fear of failure and so you don't take risks and step out? Whatever fears you have, they are down the line from the fear of death. So Jesus setting us free from the fear of death is definitely Jesus setting us free from having to be a slave to any of those fears. There's hope because death doesn't have to be our master. And from here, we got to figure out how did we get to this glorious point at the end? How did we get to this good news that we don't have to be slaves to the fear of death? And what we're going to see as verse 14 unfolds, we're going to see that two things had to happen. A victory had to happen and a gift had to happen. So we go into verse 15 with, with, uh, sorry, verse 14 with the victory. We're moving backwards. And the end of verse 14 says, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death That is the devil. For us to be free from the fear of death, Jesus had to defeat our enemy. And this is really important right here that we get this. Because if you're listening to this, you might think, all right, there there is a way to be free from the fear of death. And that's just to live detached from life and really not care. To consider the world around us to be an illusion. Um, or, or as the SpaceX CEO Elon Musk says or, or believes that there's a good chance that we're living in some kind of computer game simulation right now. If you believe that, if you believe life is all an illusion, life is really meaningless, it doesn't really matter in the end, then maybe you can live free from death, free from the fear of death. But that's not how we got here in this passage. The reason we got to the point that we don't have to be slaves to the fear of death is because Jesus defeated our enemy, the devil. I know it's not super sophisticated in our culture right now to believe in the devil, but the Bible is clear on this. We have an enemy. There is a fallen angel, many fallen angels, but one specific fallen angel who decided rather than being a creature in God's universe, he wanted to try to be the master of all things. He rebelled against God and then he made his sole goal in life to oppose God and to oppose his people. As Jesus says in John 10, 10, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I think the reason that the author of Hebrews talks about him as holding the power of death, because on the one hand, you could think, well, only God holds the power of life and death. But the reason that the devil is referred to as the one who holds the power of death is because death is his goal for us. If you go all the way back to Genesis 3 and the temptation of the serpent when he tempts Adam and Eve and we learn in Revelation that that serpent is the devil. What we end up seeing is the devil being successful in introducing death into the world by bringing the man and the woman into rebellion against God. 
And since then, we all live in that death sentence that they brought about. So whether it's in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis 3, whether it's in the temptations and the trials that Job faces in the, in the book that bears his name, whether it's the temptations that Jesus faces in the wilderness or that Paul faces with the thorn in the flesh, or whether it's us today dealing with the temptations and the trials and the terror that the devil brings, we all face this enemy and he terrorizes us with the reality of death. And what verse 14 says is that the power of that enemy was broken. Now, this doesn't mean that death is gone. Death is still around right now, but it means the power of death has been broken. Death no longer has to terrorize us in the same way. There is hope beyond death simply being the end of our story. There is a way for us to live in freedom from slavery to the fear of death. And the way that we got here is that Jesus did something that broke the power of the devil. And so we got to take another step back to find out what is it that Jesus did to break that power. For us to get freedom from slavery to the fear of death, we had to have a victory won by Jesus. And then secondly, we had to have a gift given to us by Jesus. So if we take one step back in the passage, here's what we read. So that by his death. You know how Jesus defeated the one who held the power of death? Jesus did that by his death by his sacrificial death on the cross. You see, if we're taking the slavery analogy in in the way that the author of Hebrews is using it here, we see that Jesus did two things. The first thing that he did is he defeated our master. But the second thing that he did is he paid our slave price. He paid the price to get us out of the realm of slavery. And that price was his life. Because for all of us as rebels against God, as sinners who stand condemned before God, a death is required. Our death is required, but Jesus gave his life on our behalf. And even when you just start to think about the sufferings of Jesus, take in for a minute that all those sufferings should have been ours. Jesus was betrayed by his close friend. That betrayal should have been ours. We should have been betrayed by a close friend. Jesus was arrested and then taken into custody. That should have been our arrest. Jesus was condemned by both Roman and Jewish courts. That should have been our condemnation for our sin. Jesus was beaten publicly and humiliated and that should have been us as punishment for our sins. And Jesus was crucified horrifically And that should have been what all of us faced. And not only was Jesus crucified horrifically, Jesus was forsaken as he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That forsakenness should have been ours. Because of our sin, we should have been utterly abandoned by all people and by God. But instead, Jesus by his death, broke the power of the devil and set us free from the fear of death. 
Jesus' death pays the penalty for all of our sins so that when we think about our future death, it no longer holds condemnation for us. We know that after it is eternal life for us. Jesus paid our price through his death and then he sprung open the gates of eternal life through his resurrection and through that victory. We end up in the place where we get freedom from slavery to fear, to the fear of death. And we move back and we find out that we got there because Jesus defeated our enemy. And we find out that he defeated our enemy through his death. But there's one thing that had to happen even before he could die for us. And that's where the passage actually starts in verse 14 by saying, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And this might seem obvious, but take a moment and take this in. Jesus was not somebody who was simply born into the world and then seeing all the suffering and all the alienation from God that existed in the world, made the decision that he would give his life for everybody else. The fact is, Jesus never had to be here in the first place. Jesus is the eternal son of God. He never had to go through the sacrifice of taking on flesh and blood, but he did because we, the children, are flesh and blood. And if he was going to be our savior, he was going to have to take on flesh and blood also. Jesus came to set us free and the sacrifice began long before the cross. It began in what we celebrate on Christmas day when Jesus took on flesh and blood for us. We are able to live in freedom from the slavery to the fear of death because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the resurrection. And before we've gone, man, that's love. That's love. Not just that Jesus died for us, but that he never had to be here in the first place. He never had to die at all. And yet he chose all that suffering for us. And so here's the question that's left. The question that's, that's left is, well, what, what in the world does it look like to live free from the fear of death? What in the world does it look like to live in light of this great reality that we're talking about? If we are free from the fear of death, does that just mean we're running out in the middle of the freeway? Does that mean we're jumping out of airplanes without parachutes? Does that mean when it comes to the COVID stuff, we just don't even care? We're asking people to cough on us because we're not afraid of death anymore? As you can probably anticipate, no, it doesn't mean that. Um, let me give you an illustration to say what, what I do think that it means that we now live in the freedom from slavery to the fear of death. Um, and, and about a week and a half ago, I, I was able to, to take a day off, which was much needed. I needed a day off and I just went for a hike by myself. Um, and I went to the Etiwanda Preserve and it's really great. Got going in the morning and I got up to, to where kind of the overhang is for the waterfall and I was just sitting there and I brought some books and was just enjoying a restful time. And uh, after a little while, I decided, all right, it's, it's time to go ahead and head back. Um, but as I was getting ready to head back, I looked and sort of beyond where, where the section was that I was and, and in the opposite direction of heading back down, I realized there was actually a further trail. Um, and I hadn't been up there a lot, but I hadn't noticed that there was a little bit further that you could go. And uh, I looked at that and I said, all right, I, I have time. I'm not in a huge rush. This is a day off, so I'm going to go ahead and check it out. Um, and, and as I was following the trail, it, it wasn't a perilous trail 
But I did sort of realize like, all right, there were a lot of people on the main trail. There were people all over the place. There were people all over the place by the waterfall. And now I was becoming more and more isolated as I was going back. But I kind of thought, all right, you know, I'm, I'm close enough that if something happened to me, if I was attacked by some animal or, you know, if I somehow fell and hurt myself, um, I could still yell and people could still hear me. But, but the risk factor started to kind of register in my mind. Um, the fact is hiking by yourself is a risk factor anyway. I mean, I've seen 127 hours. I, I know how these things can end. But I looked at it and said, all right, th th this is fine. I'm just going to go on. This is a reasonable risk for me to take. And I kept following the trail and I kept getting to points where I thought, all right, this is as far as it goes. I, I got to another little rock with waterfall under it and I was like, this is nice. And then I realized, no, I, I can actually climb up and go around and keep going. Um, but I realized if I kept going, I would be getting further and further away from other people and more and more isolated and the risk kind of went up. But, but I looked at it and said, all right, the, the trail is still fine. I'm not that far away. I'm in relatively good health. I have water with me that this seems like a risk worth taking. And so I kept going. And there were probably three or four other points that I ran up against something that I realized, all right, I could turn back now, but it, but it looks all right, I can keep going. And then I got to another spot that looked like it was sort of the end of the line. And it was another waterfall and there really wasn't any other way to, to get around it. it. It would have been incredibly steep. I wasn't going to go up any of these other ways. But as I looked into the waterfall, which, which wasn't a really strong waterfall, kind of was a, a small waterfall, um, I realized that there was something right underneath the water and that there was a rope. And the rope was tied to a rock and the rope was tied in such a way that clearly the intent was that you could go over to the waterfall and you could use the rope to climb up on top of the rocks and then go behind and keep going. And when I saw it, I mean, this entire hike was, was sort of proof that in, in every grown man, there still is a lot of little boy. And I looked at that and realized that does look pretty stable. It's clearly there for that purpose. It's, it's clear that it's something that other people have used. And I looked at the waterfall and I looked at the rope and I turned around and left. It was the point where I decided this is where risk doesn't outweigh reward. The entire time I said, all right, I'm taking a little bit of a greater risk, but the reward is worth it because I'm out here and I'm enjoying the outdoors and the risk seems relatively slow. That was the point where I realized risk doesn't outweigh reward. Now, here's the deal. I believe that if I had gone over and climbed that rope, and I had fallen, and the worst had happened, I had died, I believe that I would have been with Jesus. So the question is, why didn't I just go over and do it? I don't have to live in slavery to the fear of death. Why didn't I do it? The reason I didn't do it is because I have a wife and I have three sons who are counting on me. And to me, it seemed like that this is not, being outside and doing all this, this is nice. It is not my ultimate purpose in life to have a hike. It is my purpose in life to follow Jesus in the calling that he's given me. And a big part of that is that I don't want to be reckless with my health. I want to be there for my wife. I want to be there for my sons. Also, I have a church family that, that's counting on me and that's very important to me. I don't want to take reckless risks for them. So the reason I stopped was not because I said, I cannot die because that will be the end. It was because I said, well, I don't want to die because there's greater purposes and this is a risk not worth taking. And the reason I tell this is because I think for us as Christians, that's an illustration of how we now live life free from the fear of death. We don't have to look at death and say, I must avoid it at all costs. But it means that we live with purpose, recognizing that 
one of the reasons we're trying to avoid death is because there's things that God has for us to do and we don't want to miss out on those things. We live with purpose. We live with meaning. And we're able to take profound risks for the gospel of Jesus because we know that death doesn't get the final word. And at the same time, we look to live wisely so that we can fulfill the purposes that God has for us. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in a really powerful way in the book of Philippians. And, and in Philippians chapter one, we read about Paul and he's in prison and he's not certain if he's gonna get out of prison or if he's gonna be executed. And, and it turns out he's, he's pretty sure he's gonna get out and he was right, he did get out. If you read 2 Timothy, it's a different story where he knows the end is coming from him, for him. But let me just read you, Paul processed this whole idea of what he even wants to have happen when he's in prison. This is Philippians one, starting in verse 23. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul says, I'm sitting here in prison and the idea of this being the end doesn't sound so bad to me. In fact, it's better. I would be in a better position if I died because I'd be with Jesus. I'd be done with all this pain. I'd be done with my battle with sin. I'd be done with all these difficulties and trials of life. That sounds really good to me. I, I could depart and be with the Lord, which is much better by far. But then in verse 24, he says, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with ye, all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul says, I'm not afraid of death. I'm ready to go. I know what's awaiting me. And he says, at the same time, I have a purpose. I have a calling. And as long as I am here, I'm gonna look to fulfill that calling. And that would also mean for us as Christians, we're not going to take reckless risks that are not connected to fulfilling that calling. The, the fact that we're free from the fear of death means that on the one hand, we can make wise decisions to look to avoid death. But it also means on the other hand, that there are things that we would hate even more than death. It means that we can say, you know what, I would hate to die, but I would hate even more if I lived a selfish life disregarding the needs of other people. It means that we can say, I would hate to die, but I would hate even more to neglect God's calling for me to participate in making disciples of all nations. It means that we can say, I would hate to die, but I would hate even more to see the church of Jesus Christ weakened because we're a bunch of people unwilling to risk our lives for the people that God loves so dearly. It means that we still hate death, but it means that there's other things that we hate even more than death. It means that we still want to avoid death, but we want even more to fulfill our callings. And man, that's freedom. That's joy. That means during this time of the pandemic, we are trying to avoid getting COVID-19. We all want to avoid getting COVID-19. But even more than that, it means that we live life with a purpose and that we live in light of the blood-bought freedom that Jesus paid so that we could be free from being slaves to the fear of death. Now, here's the deal. I said this at the beginning, but I want to encourage you with it again. Take some time. Let, let's do this as a church family. Take some time this week and seek God in the area of fear. 
Maybe you thought earlier, not only of the fear of death, but other fears that are limiting you, that are plaguing you, that you are slaves of. Use this week, each day, take some time to come before the Lord and just say, God, lead me in a greater experience of the freedom that Jesus bought by his death so that fear isn't running my life. And then also take a day this week, do some fasting, really focus your heart on the Lord because I believe that one of the things that he has to teach all of us during this time of the pandemic is how we're dealing with fear in our lives and in our hearts. And remember the price that was paid to set us free so that we can live in the freedom of taking gospel risk for what God has called us to do And at the same time, so that we can live wisely so that we don't undercut our ability to fulfill our purpose that God has called us to. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the grace that you've poured out in Jesus. Thank you that we don't have to live as slaves. I pray that you would lead us and lead this church specifically that we would be so free from the fear of death that we would be a sign of eternal life to the people around us. That they would see the risks that we're willing to take, the love that we're willing to pour out. And they would see that this could only be done by people who have a hope beyond this world. Father, set us free not only from the the fear of death, but from the fear of failure, from the fear of other people's disapproval, from the fear of pain and sickness and other discomfort. Father, lead us to be free from fear and to be a witness to the gospel because of that freedom from fear. I pray in the name of our great savior and liberator, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, and God bless you. And I really hope you take up this challenge this week to seek the Lord on how he wants to set each of us free from fear.